0: Go ahead and get it out of your system. Wherever you are, whatever environment you're in, just go ahead and sing it. Get it get it over with, get it done with. It's my birthday. Go ahead and sing happy birthday at the top of your lungs. Thank you to uh those of you have you there you go. Mm-hmm. You.
1: Happy birthday to you our, our
0: listeners sound so good, Paul. I uh, so that's they pretty, are quite tune. Listen to the they're they're <laughs> they uh they they <laughs> Okay, so um I know you think that would be silly to just sing out loud wherever you are the happy birthday song, um, but, you know, go ahead and do it. You'll feel better afterwards. I promise you. Um, okay. So, and for those of you looking for a tangible way to celebrate my birthday, we are very nearly fully funded here at the Faith Radio Network. Um, so I am uh, happy to receive birthday gifts today at 877-933-2484, a gift of any size, right? Always appreciated to keep the ministry not only going strong, but extending the gospel to more and more people day in and day out around the world. So uh, you can give online at MyFaithRadio.com. Paul, how was that? Weaving two things together. There you go. I am good at making connections. That's my thing. Way to go. So um, when people ask you when your birthday is, here's going to be my question. Uh, I think that we want to start having a conversation about our rebirth days as well. You know, there's not rebirthday cards out there. I think there should be. I'm I'm advocating for the day that we celebrate our rebirth as Christians. Uh, being born is one thing. It's actually something that happens to everybody. Um, but being reborn is not something that happens to everyone. And certainly as Christians, something that we should celebrate and broadcast and know about ourselves. So, you know, when's my rebirth day? And, you know, here's one easy answer to that question. You were reborn um, on the day that God... Uh, conceived of the very idea of redemption, right? So uh, I was saved or I was uh, reborn uh, the day that God conceived of the idea of redemption. I was certainly reborn uh, the day Jesus died upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. I was reborn on the day that I made my first commitment to Jesus Christ. That uh, that is the day when I was 16. Um, I can tell you where I was and I can give you sort of a general range of time. It was in early June. Uh, It was in 1984. Um, My dad had just died a month earlier, uh, and I was not at peace. That is fair to say. Uh, I was not at peace. And so I can tell you that, you know, I was at a camp called Windy Gap in North Carolina. It's a young life camp. And I gave all of myself that I knew to all of Christ that I understood, and I've never looked back. Uh, And so that's my rebirth day. And so um, I think we should celebrate our rebirth days with one another as well. So when we're celebrating a birthday with anybody, why don't we also have a conversation about rebirth days? Uh, It's one thing to be born. It's another thing to be reborn to a living hope and an everlasting life. Uh, Let me just tell you that I'm not just living a dash in between two dates here on Earth. I'm living forever. My life expectancy is eternal Uh, And so uh, that is the hope with which I live and the hope that I am seeking to share with you day in and day out. Next up, a brother in Christ, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We're going to actually talk about Chapter 5 of David Stevens' book today. The book is Jesus MD. We've talked about the book before, but Chapter 5 is specifically about the need for human touch. And it's just something that we're really aching for right now. So he and I are going to talk about the need for human touch up next.
2: Doctor, my eyes have seen the years, and the slow parade of fears without crying. Now I
0: want. To... Joining me now, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find them at cmda.org. We're going to talk today about Chapter 5 of Dr. Stevens' book, Jesus MD. Uh, David, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
2: It's good to be back with you, Carmen, and happy birthday.
0: Thank you. Have you ever delivered a baby?
2: If I ever delivered a baby, yes. Yeah. Hundreds okay, what is of that? What is that? Thousands. I know, so,
0: what, so, so let's talk about, let's just, I know this is, you, you get to touch it. You, well, it, it's, it's related to our conversation because there's a lot of touching uh, when a baby is born. Talk with us about that moment when you've received that new life into your physical hands. What, what is that
2: like? It's very special. And probably the most special time I ever delivered a baby is when I delivered my own daughter when we were in mm. Kenya, my youngest uh, daughter. And, um, yeah, Jody delivered. I have to remind myself she delivered. I just caught the baby. But it was <laughs> just an unbelievable uh, moment. And uh, and it is when, you, when a life comes into the world. I mean, the life is there, but when you actually bring it out into the atmosphere and hear that first cry and hold that child in your arms and uh, and hand it to the mother, and they're smiling from ear to ear. And uh, often the fathers are there. In this country, that wasn't common in Kenya. And uh, it's just at an emotional high, and uh, just such a precious gift from God. So, yeah, it's 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 something else. Deliver babies. One of my favorite things to do, and uh, I got to do a lot of it in Africa.
0: Take us to um, Tenwick in the early 1980s. Um, the AIDS uh, epidemic is not what it was then. Um, it was more, you know, like the coronavirus in terms of the fear that people had of contagion. And And introduce us to Elizabeth.
2: Yeah. I remember Elizabeth, she was the first patient that came into the hospital. This is in the early 80s, there was no treatment for AIDS, there was very little understood about it except you died if you got it and it was a horrible death. And she was the first patient that came in the hospital. We had one room in our hospital. We had huge wards, but it was an isolation room for people that needed to be isolated. And I heard she had been admitted the night before and went up to examine her. And I walked into the room, and Elizabeth was sitting there on the edge of the bed. And if you've ever seen misery, it was Elizabeth. I mean, she was skin and bones Had lost a lot of weight. She was drooling from her mouth, holding a rag in her hand to catch her saliva, sitting in a pool of her own diarrhea. And, you know, my first thought was what what, are, what are the nurses? Why haven't they taken care of this patient? And uh, the bottom line was, it just dawned on me the second later, is they were afraid to go into the room. Uh, they knew if they got it, they died. And, of course, uh, it, the virus was in the bodily fluids and and so I could, you know, turned around. I was a medical superintendent at that point, and and you know, correct them or ball them out. And but I realized that wasn't going to make any difference. And I, I, I turned and said, "Can you get me a basin and some and some towels to the nurse standing at the door, not even coming in?" And um, and I cleaned her up. And within a few minutes, the the nurses came in, embarrassed and and wanting to help. And uh, you know, I put on gloves. But I mean, you were you're still taking a risk. Now, I'll never forget it, as Elizabeth, I finally got her cleaned up and laid down, examined her, and and she she grabbed my hand and she said, Doctor, thank you, thank you. Kongoi me sing, me sing in the local language. The fact that someone would touch her had moved her tremendously. She later came to Christ there in the hospital uh, before she died. But it just brought back to me the importance of touch. In fact, the other day, Carmen, somebody said to me, will we ever shake hands again in this country? And, and it just stunned me for a second. And I thought, what are we gonna lose because we lose that little element of touch? Everyone's so isolated, everybody's social distance, touch is extremely important. In our health, both our mental health and our physical health.
0: Talking with Dr. David Stevens, we're talking about the power of touch. Um, he's got an entire chapter on this uh, in his book, Jesus MD. The great physician understood the power of touch. When we come back, we're going to turn to Mark chapter five when Jesus asked the question, Who touched me? Uh, and the healing that comes from the great physician and the power of touch. We'll be right back. Now I'm- Continue my conversation now with a genuinely good physician after the spirit of the great physician, Dr. David Stevens. You can find him at cmda.org. He heads up the Christian Medical and Dental Association and joins me on a regular basis here. Today, we're talking about the fifth chapter of his book, Jesus MD, The Need for Human Touch. Um, uh, Dr. Stevens, talk with us about uh, Mark chapter 5 and this encounter that Jesus has with this woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. um, And really kind of the astonishing question that he asked, which is, who touched me?
2: Yeah, who touched me? Because he was in a crowd. I mean, people were pressing him all around. He was obviously being touched by many people, but she touched him and he realized the power had gone out of him and healed her. And uh, she was ostracized. She had uh, no friends. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't cook food for other people. I mean, the list just goes on and on, and this had gone on for 12 years. And I can't help but imagine as he turned around and she admitted she touched him, that he reached down and took her hand. And that touch had such an impact on her life that somebody, the rabbi, would touch her. Guys was touched by a woman that was hemorrhaging, caused him to be contaminated. He, she could be put in prison for doing that, and yet I'm sure he did that. You know, lack of touch is detrimental. We see that in this lady. It's true in medicine. Uh, back in the early 1900s, there was a book that came out, a very influential, saying that you shouldn't cuddle children, little babies. You should just uh, feed them on on a schedule, not feed them on demand, not hold them, not cuddle You know what happened to the kids in the hospitals in New York? Ninety percent of them died newborns because they weren't touched. They got marasmus, They stopped eating. And so that rapidly changed once they realized what was going on. Touch matters for us as well. It touches a parenting tool. Uh, my mother told me the importance of touching teena- my teenagers when my especially my daughter got to, my two daughters got to that age, and you you know they 're coming a woman, you kind of pull back a little bit and then, yet they need that touch if you don 't touch your as a father your girls they 'll be looking for touch from somewhere else from some young guy uh, Horsing around with your son is important in touch, uh, and as in medicine, we know this uh, there 's diagnostic touch. When you come to my office, I ask you to undress and then I examine you and I put my hands on you and I can tell whether that lymph node is cancer or tuberculosis or just a little infection. I can see if there's a fluid in your lungs. I can do all sorts of things uh, through that diagnostic touch. And we need to realize that's true not only in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense as well as we're seeing people that are hurting, that are isolated, that need a touch touch. We need to be willing to reach out physically and emotionally to find out where their hurt is. that what Christ did with the tax collector and with with the leper? And you go down the list of all the stories of miracles that he performed that often involved touch, and he met them for their physical needs, but then he took care of their emotional and spiritual needs and introduced them to Christ. And that's so true of us as well, to stay in touch, this social isolation of COVID is a dangerous thing, not because just COVID, but because we get so far out of touch, and we do not want that to be the new norm. We need to stay emotionally attached to people and meeting their needs, helping with their fears, and showing compassion and concern for them.
0: I'm making a lot of notes because one of the things that I wrote down um, here, Dr. Stevens, is you know, for there there are people. In fact, a pretty extraordinary number of people. For whom good touch has been corrupted um, by yeah. bad touch, we I mean, need to talk about that. Just in terms of the need for redemption, the redemption of the touch, and then uh, when you know we talk about staying in touch, we also talk about falling out of touch or being out of touch. It occurs to me that in this particular cultural moment, um, we we have a proximity with people whose lives our life really never touches in a meaningful way. And um and I think what you're talking about is not just proximity, but intimacy. Touch is intimate.
2: It is, and that's why a Zoom call or you know, FaceTime is good, but it doesn't totally meet the need because there's something about being uh, with people and uh, in in contact distance with them and uh, and when appropriate touch I, our church just started back this weekend, and they said you know don 't don 't hug anyone unless you know, ask if that 's okay because they may be concerned, but realizing people needed to touch, and people were doing it uh, because uh, it expresses so much. You know, one of my uh, heroes, my mentor, the doctor that probably had more impression on me than any other person in my life as far as was Dr. Ernie Story, the founder of Tenwick, and he was such a compassionate man. And uh, I I would see him at the hospital, and as he was talking to a woman, patients came outside and said if they could during the day, and he'd sit down beside them and take that woman's hand or that man's hand and introduce himself and and ask about their problems and, and put their hand on the shoulder or hold their hand while he was doing that and then examine them. And One of the greatest stories I love is one day we were coming back to the United States. My wife's mother was sick. We were afraid she was going to die. And uh, we jumped in the car late and trying to get to Nairobi before Christmas to get on an airplane. Came down to a river and it was flooded. The on-ramp and off-ramp were washed away. And I thought, that's it. We're not going home for Christmas. And uh, about that time, an old man came out of the bush and was talking to my wife as I was wading into the water to see if we could get through. Came back, introduced himself and, uh, and asked where we were from. And I said, oh, uh, I'm from Tenwick. And he said, oh, do you know Mosinick? Mosinick was the name of Dr. Sturry. And I said, well, yes, I, I work with Mosinick. And uh, I, in fact, I'm called a rat Mosinick, the son of Mosinick. I'm not his real son, but we're like father and son. And he said, oh. You need to get across the bridge, and he went running off into the bush, yelling. I couldn't understand what he was saying. In a few minutes, people began flooding out, carrying rocks and wood and timber, and they began building the bridge so we could get across it. And he wouldn't let me help. And I, 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 uh, I, I started was talking to him some more, and he said, uh, "You know, I, I remember when my wife was so ill." And uh, her stomach swelled up, and and we rushed her to the hospital in middle of the night. And Mozunik came up and took care of her, and he he laid his hands on her, and he examined her, and he took her into surgery and opened her up and saved her life. I remember when my grandson was just born at home, and he was so sick, and we carried him there, and and Mosinick was up all during the night. I don't think that man ever sleeps. And then he turned to me and he said, "You know something?" He said it. We Kipsigis know this. If we go to Tinwick and just touch Mozunik, we'll get better. He had connected not just at a physical, medical level with the people of that culture, but because of his love for them at the deepest emotional level. And the reason that so many people have come to Christ was the Christ-like example that he set. And that's true for us, too, with our families, with our friends, with our kids. Uh, it's that touching them at their deepest level and showing Christ's love through us to them, not just the love of the parent, but demonstrating Christ and what he would be to others will affect so many.
0: Dr. Stevens, you um, you have a way of touching the heart uh, in addition to all of the good that you do um, through the touch uh, as a physician Um, So thank you for the way you have touched our hearts today. Thank you for being a doctor in the spirit of the great physician. Thank you for equipping and empowering others to do the same. Let me encourage you um, to pick up a copy of Jesus MD. We've been talking today about chapter five, um, which is about the need for human touch and the great physician who is Jesus Christ and what he understood about the power of touch. Dr. David Stevens uh, has been my guest. He is the author of the book. He's also the head of the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and you can find them at cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, thank you as always.
2: Yeah. yeah. God bless Carmen, and happy birthday Likewise. again.
0: Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right <laughs> back. All right, so thank you. I know that um, some of you, including uh, including Virginia, have actually um, taken me up on my invitation to give a little gift today uh, to the Faith Radio Network in, um, uh, you know, like in celebration of my birthday. So I really appreciate that. Uh, A gift, uh, it doesn't matter how big or small the gift is. Like, right, uh, if everybody would give something, and you don't have to give it in celebration of my birthday, you could give it in celebration of Paul, right? The apostle or the producer of this program. Right, uh, Paul? You would, you you know, you appreciate a gift of any size, right? Well, to Faith Radio, yes. Um, exactly, right? Or to celebrate the Apostle Paul. He was far cooler that than me. That would be so, a yeah. cool. He <laughs> yes, cool. Okay, we're going to talk about reading the Bible. We're going to talk about intentional faith. We're going to talk about intentionally praying. Um, so uh, where in the Word are you today? Becca Stone King has posted this. This is where she is in the, in the Word of God today, Psalm eighty-eight, 8. You're going to get a kick out of this. You have distanced my friends from me. I am shut in and cannot go out. She says, well, that was a viral, there's a virus verse for the day from Psalm 88. Where in the word are you today? Um, we're going to talk with Pastor Alan Jackson about his book, Intentional Faith, Aligning Your Life with the Heart of God. Uh, look, none of us grows up in Christ on accident uh, or or without being purposeful about it. So we're going to talk about the intentionality of pursuing our relationship with God. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: If you feel the world owes you something, brace yourself, you'll never get reimbursed. This is Max Locato. Henry Ward Beecher said, a proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. The sky's never blue enough, the steak isn't cooked enough, the universe isn't good enough to deserve a human being like you. Pursue gratitude. The grateful heart is like a magnet sweeping over the day, collecting reasons for gratitude. Thank you, God. Your lungs inhale and exhale 11,000 liters of air every day. Thank you, God, for the jam on the toast and the milk on the cereal and the blanket that calms us and the joke that softens us and the warm sun that reminds us of God's love. Gratitude leaves us looking at God and away from dread. It does to anxiety what morning sun does to valley mist. It burns it up. Thank you, God. This is Max Locato.
0: Joining me now, Pastor Alan Jackson. Um, I don't even know how a person shepherds 15,000 people, but that is how many folks worship at the World Outreach Church in in Tennessee, where Alan Jackson is the pastor. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Thank you, Carmen. Good morning.
0: Yeah, so it's not just 15,000 people whose bright, shiny faces you actually see, um, when when we have the opportunity to gather together, um, but it's millions of people around the world. Um, can I just start with a, a question about how do you shepherd so many people?
3: Sure, I think I mean that's a legitimate question and a constant point of prayer. But the reality is we share more in common than we do in our differences. And human experience is even consistent across periods of time. It's what makes the Bible so relevant. It's addressive literature. And it may have been written hundreds of years ago by multiple authors in different cultures, but we pick it up, and it feels relevant to us. It's the beauty of the spirit of God within us. I have no imagination that my wisdom is is shepherding these people. I've simply been given an assignment, and I try to be faithful to that direction on a daily basis and it works out pretty well
0: all right so i um I really appreciate the new book. It is intentional faith aligning your life with the heart of God, and you can find Alan Jackson. Uh, and his ministry, and some really cool daily updates as well, which we'll talk about in a minute, at Allen, and that is A-L-L-E-N, allenjackson.com. Um, Allen, my uh, my listeners know that um, I like uh, what's at the end of a book, and so um, let me just warn you in advance, we're going to start with the conclusion, um, right. and, and then we are going to make our way um, uh, to what actually follows the conclusion, because those are some of my favorite parts of the book. Um this is a an invitation to 100 days of intentional engagement. Um 100 100 days it's described as an adventure of experiencing God. It's also intensely practical. So take us to the conclusion. What um you know when you think of uh, of a summary statement of this book, what is it?
3: Well, I, 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 we intended it to be an invitation beyond just sitting in church and pretending like everything's okay. It's really an expression of quiet desperation that I want to know God better than I do and there's a way to do that. And with a little intentionality and a little discipline and a little bit of training, you can have a personal relationship with God that's transformational.
0: And I think that there are a lot of folks including myself who, you know, there we grow in fits and spurts. Like we can point to periods of we we can point to periods of our life where like I really grew in Christ during that period. I can really see it. Um, it is often tied not only to some recognizable act of God, but then also to my obedience. Talk about the relationship between, um, between God acting and my being obedient.
3: Well, I'd probably add one more component. I think it's often linked to stress, To hmm. Something emerges in your life that we can't manage as well as we would like to, and so we reach towards a resolution beyond ourselves. And oftentimes— hopefully that's God. And I think it's in those seasons wh- where we become a bit more obedient. We've been casual or a bit um, indifferent towards the Lord. I think we're living through one of those seasons as a nation right now. Then my prayer is that the church across our nation will be awakened to a different kind of obedience than we were 90 days ago. I think we've gotten a little casual. We imagine an appointment with God on the weekend was the same thing as actually seeking Him, and so I hope the book is a tool for that, but I'm much more concerned about the church in our world being awake to what God's asking us to be.
0: Which takes us, um, I, I think that, uh, again, I'm talking with Pastor Alan Jackson. You can find him at Alan Jackson Ministries. You can find him at alanjackson.com. You can find him at the World Outreach Church, which is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can actually. It, it's, you're not hard to find, which I genuinely appreciate. Um, we're talking today about his new book, Intentional Faith, Aligning Your Life with the Heart of God. We're going to also uh, talk in a moment um, about what uh, Pastor Jackson has been doing every single day um, to empower and equip not only his own congregation, but everyone else who's interested day to day in terms of uh, this very new reality in which we are living um, in the midst of COVID-19 and now in uh, sort of convulsive stress within our culture related to race. Um, I love the acknowledgement page and, um, and I want to turn there. Uh, these are not just people's names on a page. And I love the way that you offer this image of yourself. My life is captured in the image of a turtle on a fence post. It is obvious someone has helped me with the destination now, a turtle on a fence post may not feel that he has been helped, um, but I love, I love the image, um, and I really appreciate it. You talk about a number of people. I I wrote this question um, at the bottom of that page. How do I become a Christian like that? How do I become a Christian like Aunt Mary or like Alan's parents or like Alan's brothers um, or like these people who are specifically named? Because if I could be a person who uh, has, has the possibility and the privilege of encouraging someone to be in ministry and activated in ministry like you are activated in ministry, that would have been a life well lived. So how do I become the kind of Christian that, um, that these people are in your life?
3: That's a great question, but I think you are. I think you're doing that every day. You're occupying the space God called you to. The outcomes are beyond us. You know, I'm not responsible for the outcomes. I'm responsible to be faithful for my assignment today, however mundane it may seem, or routine, or even confining sometimes. Church is confining, but I trust God for outcomes far beyond myself and my ability. I'm pretty confident Aunt Mary or my parents or any of the other cast of characters in that book had no imagination of the fruitfulness God was going to bring from their effort. And I think if you and I'll be faithful in our assignment today, even though we think no one's watching, the Creator of heaven and earth is, and He brings outcomes that exceed anything we're capable of.
0: I um. I think that's exactly right. I, I think that keeping the divine appointments that God has set each and every day, and doing so in a way that um, continues to direct people to him and his glory not making you know not seeking to na- make our names famous but make the name of Christ famous in the world. I know Absolutely. that's your heart and what you're about doing. Um okay, I want to talk about the appendices. Uh Appendix A is New Testament reading plan for 100 days. Part of this part of part of the reason I love to do this is there's just a lot of people that start a book and they never get to the end of it and I I love <laughs> the intentionality of the end of this book. So Appendix A is New Testament reading plan for 100 days, and then Appendix B is a collection of prayers, and those those prayers are keyed to um, the 10 uh, very, very practical uh, sections of the book, these intentional things that we're being invited into in the book Intentional Faith. So when we come back from the break, we're going to jump into um, why we read the Bible and why we need to do so intentionally and then we're going to talk about prayer and why we need to engage in that intentionally as we work our way through intentional faith, aligning your life with the heart of God with pastor and author Alan Jackson. We'll be right back. Continue my conversation with Pastor Alan Jackson, uh, we're talking about his newest book, Intentional Faith. It's really about How each and every one of us needs to commit to intentionally take real steps every single day toward personal spiritual growth um, if we actually want to see it happen. We don't just grow up into Christ in every way automatically. We don't mature automatically just because, um, well, even let's say we attend or have attended church on a regular basis, right? Okay, so Pastor Jackson, talk with us about the need to read the Bible and the Bible reading plan, why we need to not just read the Bible, but do so in a way that is intentional, and then also talk with us about intentional prayer.
3: Great. I love the way you read a book. I'll let you <laughs> send me summaries anytime. But
0: Revelation 21, 22, buddy, that's it. Just go there, and it's the, the clarity of the rest of it comes into view.
3: That's the truth. <laughs> I think spiritual health is similar to physical health. You need nutrition and exercise and not just observing other people that are exercising. And so, fundamentals are the Word of God. You have to have a consistent source of the Word of God into your heart and your mind. And then you give expression to that through prayer. Prayer is not something we do formally in collective religious gatherings. Prayer is my daily interaction with God. And most people, I think, are frozen in those two places. We don't know where to get started. So we just wanted to put some practical tools in their hands where they could begin to read their Bible, and the New Testament's a great entry point, particularly with the Gospels, and then just let them begin to borrow some prayers. When Jesus taught us to pray, he gave us a prayer to begin with, and we just took that pattern. And then we built alongside that. We called it 100 Days of Faith. They can go to the website, any of the spaces where I'm at, and download it. They don't have to do it by themselves. I'll join them every morning with a cup of coffee, and we'll do our daily Bible reading and our prayers two or three minutes just to help us create some new habits that bring some God momentum into our lives. And it's amazing to see what God does when we actually begin to orient our lives towards Him.
0: All right, I, uh, I have written down um, the nutrition and exercise. It's not just watching others. Man, are we, uh, are we guilty of that? And then the moments and the momentum um, comment that you just made is, uh, is important as well. The momentum is really built moment by moment. And so I need to take the first step if there's going to be a second one and a third one. Talk with us about the intentionality of committing to something over a period of time. This happens to be 100 days. Um, just, uh, just, just talk with us about that.
3: Well, I think the current language is around habit stacking. You want to take some, an outcome you want and figure out what the components are and then begin to integrate them into your daily life. And so we just identified a handful of things. It, it doesn't take hours, a few minutes every day, 15 or 20 minutes, and you'll get to the outcome. And 100 days is a way, it gives you long enough to establish some new patterns. It's not like a fad diet where you starve yourself for three days and then you go back to where you were. But if you'll take 100 days, and and nobody's perfect, you're not going to hit it every day. But if you'll make that 100-day commitment, you'll arrive in a place with a new routine and a new pattern. And it's also long enough, I think you'll experience God's intervention in a way that will really pull you forward. And I've done it with enough people. I've done it with—actually, um, I've done it with the congregation multiple years, and I've seen the outcomes. That's why we stopped and put it in the form of a book.
0: Okay, you um, you keep saying we, uh, and so there are definitely people listening right now who want to know um, who the we is. And so can you just talk about uh, how ministry is collaborative?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I may be the one they push up behind the podium.
0: It's because you have to this have verse... like, this, cause it's this voice, let me tell you, like, right? It's People like to listen to this.
3: I'm glad you do. But you know, if I stand on a podium in front of the church, it takes about 300 people for us to have a worship service. And if all those people aren't doing their job, the whole thing unravels. And for me to be on this call today, I had to have people come help make all this work. So I have no imagination. That turtle on a fence post is not just an idea. For every day to be effective, I realize I'm very dependent, not only on the help of God and the Spirit of God, but the people around me doing their very best.
0: All right, so let's, um, let's take a few minutes uh, here at the end of our conversation to talk about sort of the current cultural moment we find ourselves in, COVID-19. You have been providing daily online updates, calling for hourly prayer, monthly days of prayer and fasting. You're meeting um, every single day with people online at com. Talk about ministry in the midst of this and sort of what you see happening.
3: Wow. This is something I never imagined. I I think I'm pretty good at anticipating, but this one caught us completely off guard. Um, And we realized that. We realized we were walking through something we'd never seen. Ninety days ago, they said a million of us might not survive. Mm -hmm. And so I began to reach out to the people that I knew and said, we need to pray. And we started praying every hour on the hour. And before long, there were hundreds of us doing that. But within a couple of weeks, that morphed. We we realized that a million of us weren't going to die, thank God and the curve was flattened, but the pressure didn't lift. Now there was, there was new fear and confusion and anxiety, and it's, it's been like a rolling set of challenges, from the threat of a virus that might annihilate us, to the necessity of staying in place, to trying to figure out how we were going to reemerge into life again, to riots in the street. And I'm, I'm confident at this point that a couple of weeks from now, there'll be another edition of chaos, but it's going to have a new causative agent wrapped around it. I think underlying the whole thing to be completely candid is the spirit of Antichrist. When I watch what's happening, chaos, confusion, deception, manipulation, hunger, murder, the abuse of the weak and the powerless, those are all characteristics of a spirit. And it's a critical season for the church to be awake. Our prayers matter. The ultimate solutions to this are not going to come from the political arena or the economic arena or a military or law enforcement. They're going to come from a heart change, and the church is the only agent in the earth that can do that. And I don't know exactly if God's going to awaken us to that or not. I see some evidence that the Spirit of God is moving just as dramatically. There's an openness to the gospel that I'm not sure I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, there's unprecedented prayer taking place all over our nation and the world. Uh, there are even some repenting. Which is a really good thing. Uh, people have more time for the Word of God. There's a value at, at, attached to family that I haven't seen in many, many years. We've given attention to our children. We've stepped aside from busyness. So I think a part of the challenge is, what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the evidence of darkness, or are you going to focus on the, what the Spirit of God is doing? Because that's going to dictate the tone of your emotions, and that will give you the energy and the momentum to continue to respond.
0: If you want to um... Learn more about how you can live intentionally and you can grow intentionally in your relationship with God. You can not only be proximate to Him, but intimate with Him. You can grow in your life of prayer. You can grow in your reading every single day of the Word of God and see uh, the beginning of the fruit of it. Um, Actually experience that. Let me encourage you to check out Intentional Faith, Aligning Your Life with the Heart of God the book has its own uh, website page. It is intentionalfaithbook.com. Some cool stuff there for you to download. You can also uh, get in touch with Pastor Jackson at allenjackson.com. Allen is A-L-L-E-N, jackson.com. Get some of those daily updates we've just been talking about. Pastor Jackson, thank you uh, so much for joining us today. May the turtle stay on the fence post.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Carmen, and thank you for your courage.
0: Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Have a great day. All right, friends, we'll be right back. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, we're done with that for a whole year.
2: (laughs) Had to do that one more time, though. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. You're welcome.
0: Uh, We might have... Did we miss celebrating your birthday?
2: Uh, That's not until August.
0: Okay. So everybody, mark your calendars. August what?
2: Uh, 27th.
0: All right. August 27th, we are going to... Humiliate Paul. Yes, got it. Okay. Going to make much of Paul's birthday as well. (laughs) Hey, let's uh, let's make much of the day that God has given us. What what is it going to look like to make much of God today? What is it going to look like in your life um, to make much of God right now in some time of prayer or in some reading of the Word? Have you been in the Word of God today? Let's definitely get into the Word of God before we even think about getting out there into the world that He so loves. Where in the Word are you today? My family and I are spending some time in the book of Acts. We are also spending some time in the Psalms, particularly Psalms of Lament, seeking to uh, listen and hear. We are reading passages related to justice. Uh, so, where in the Word are you today, and how are you walking your faith out in ways that make much of God? Let's try to make much of God today. What, is it, what would that look like in your life, to intentionally make much of the name of Jesus today? to make much of God in the conversations of the day, to bring the gospel to bear always and in all ways. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. You represent Christ to the world today. You're a living demonstration of the gospel. You're a brochure of the kingdom of heaven. So what are people seeing of God? What are they learning of him as they see you and interact with you on social media or hear your voice or encounter you in person? And let's be um, touching one another's hearts today, even though we can't necessarily touch one another in person. Thanks for being with us here on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.